absolute truth. People will say that there's no absolute truth out there. What what about the Bible? Uh, Once again, it just goes back to that theory of like, uh, you have your truth and I have my truth. There is no absolute truth because of that. But is that just a form of what the Bible says in that it says people will be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God? To me, the idea of like, oh, I'm too special to like have subscribed to one thing, you know, and assimilate to that, you know. It's like I have my I have something more advanced and more beyond that. So to speak, kind of. I mean, just more... I'm more evolved. I'm more... Whatever. People who subscribe to the fact that there's no absolute truth. Oh. Yeah, they're the best. Yeah, and what... Their idea of religion or spirituality or whatever. Whatever they're getting there. Their mix of ideas. And I think we can throw that group of people in the same bin as agnostics. Probably. <laughs> or some form of... Because agnostics are pretty much atheists. Yeah. Yeah, but... One way or another, they don't believe in God, so... Well, the idea of understanding what the truth would be, I think, is an act of faith. Because, yes, I understand what people are saying here, you know, in that there's no absolute truth. You can't, you can't take science or an empirical way of finding out what the truth is. And that's why people are saying there is no absolute truth. Uh-huh. Oh. But we know... But the people who have faith believe that that's wrong, essentially. That there is an absolute truth. Well, yeah, that is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I don't think the people who see it that way now are ever going to feel differently about them. Well, see, and this is exactly what the Bible says. It will. It says that there's going to be people like this that are going to, you know, not be wanting to believe in an absolute truth, or they're not going to be a people. They're going to be a stiff-necked people. It calls them. Oh. <laughs> you know, where they're not. They don't want to see an abs- the absolute truth of of God or anything. They want. They want to be heathen. You know, they'd like, rather the chaos. Yeah, they'd rather... Yeah. It's just like... The girl who sold me these... Beers. She probably thought they were good, Red. Well, this, this girl that sold me these beers... She's a whore. <laughs> probably could be. She's wearing a hat, though, that said... Kenneth Angers 
Hollywood Babylon. A hat that said this on there, and I said there were Kenneth Anger's a Satanist. <laughs> what did she say? She said, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I'm like, why do you want to... Okay. <laughs> why do you want to promote that? Yeah, good for you. What the fuck are you thinking? I'm just saying, dude. Just like, is that... Do you really think that promoting... Satanism is positive? Is a question. Is that positive for other people? To promote that? Sure it is. It's, just, sure it, is. it's no different to me than the people who... And she's probably the same kind of person that would say that there is no absolute truth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> there is no absolute truth. I'm not going to prescribe to that. Yeah. Subscribe or prescribe or... Whatever. I get the feeling out of why, but I feel like most atheists are down with the little things. Probably. <laughs> They're like not turned off by the idea of whatever. Sin controls everything. He's a power and prince of the air, according to the truth of Judeo-Christianity. And see, that's what really what we're trying to promote, I feel like. We're trying to promote a perspective orientated towards the, uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. As that this is an absolute truth. That there is... Uh, an intelligent designer that brought forth things in a certain way, manifested them through the creative logos of the word. Yeah. And uh, things were manifested in a sequence of events. And, you know, from that came order. And so that's why we have the commandments. That's why we have right and wrong, good and evil, you know, because it's all part of the order that God has allowed to exist. Uh-huh. And see, really what we're, we're at now is we're in a battle between the weeds and wheat. You know, we're in a battle with the people who do not want to accept that there is an absolute truth in Judeo-Christianity, the Bible, and its perspective, you know, and then the people who believe in that, yeah. you know, want to accept that, want to embrace that. What do you think the ratio is? I don't know. The ratio of weeds and wheat? That's a good question, you know. <laughs> I'm sure the intelligence in our, in our uh, military-industrial complex, I guess you could say our government, you know, probably could ascertain those analytics figures. through yeah figures through their you know having wraps on all of our lives and our communication so but and these are the same kind of people that 
also wanted to say that they're pr- uh, promote moral relativity. Do you know what that is? No, those guys. F off. Yeah, it's like once again that there's no. Uh, what is it? What do they call it? I saw this uh, this uh, show with these two philosophers who, who talk philosophy, and they moral relative moral relativeness. Uh, they philosophizing. Yeah, in this idea of moral relativity, and that's this concept. Uh, this idea, once again, going back to no absolute truth that there is no right and wrong in in behavior. Like you can. There, you know, sexually or you know uh, things along those lines. It's like only it's what the culture dictates is like excessive or too much. The, the culture defines that, not an absolute truth. So once again, going with the status quo, going with the herd. Going with the masses, the sea. Yeah. And it's weird that uh, John, the revelator in Revelation, calls the masses of people the sea. Because what is the sea? It's like a bunch of water just crashing around all over the place. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what people are. Like, everywhere, like... It's these big cities and everything. It's a bunch of people like coming and going. They're crashing around all over the place, driving real fast, like in a big ass hurry all over the time. And they're natural current. Not, it is. It's a natural current of chaos. It's just constant, rapid motion, just like the waves of the sea. It's an interesting way of putting it, I guess. But uh, you know, looking deeper into these these truths <laughs> once again, because. Like, and this is the idea that once again was promoted by an atheist person who was on 60 Minutes one night, and he was talking about the idea of solace. And he was an atheist, and he was saying that religion, religious people get a feeling of solace and purpose from believing in the absolute truth of Christianity, you know, and the Bible. Religious people and other people from other religions get a solace from believing that their religion is the absolute truth. Yeah. Oh, I know I do. And that's all, once again, goes back to the idea of faith. Yeah. Like, to believe that an absolute truth exists is an act of faith and you have to step forth into the it's like what Carl Jung talks about in the combining of the soul and spirit in one it's like it's a step of faith that you are you know gonna try to endeavor to accomplish this difficult task it's the same thing with absolute truth it's that you're going to put forth effort into one path or another not your own self-righteous path of religion but into one that has been a, a tried and true proven system, so to speak. 
which I think Judeo-Christianity is because there's been so many adherents to both sides of Judaism and Christianity for since time immemorial you know of Adam and Eve whatever has Judeo-Christianity been a thing for like all time or what well pretty much you know I mean it, well, it really goes back to Abraham. You know, is that kind of the beginning of Judaism? But the way of the Lord was practiced before the flood, with Enoch and uh, you know some of those guys. I think you know, and then Noah and Seth. Seth was the replacement for. Um, Abel, when Cain killed Abel. Uh-huh. And, uh... Yeah, so it, it kind of has had its roots. I mean, God spoke, supposedly, to these people who weren't necessarily Jews. Supposedly, according to... For, to believe in this as an absolute truth, that this has some... R- relativeness to our reality... I'm just thinking it'd be crazy if we had sons, if we had two sons, and named them Cain and Abel. Sure people have. That would be some weird ass shit. <laughs> that would, it could, like, manifest in a weird way. Yeah, who knows, dude? Like, if somebody did do that? I agree. Like, that. I to me... <laughs> I don't know. That's just, you don't ever want to call your kid something after a bad person, though. Yeah. Name him after some, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe they would just be talking about the significance of the person or something. Yeah? Yeah? <clears throat> it is crazy, though, man. Like, all this stuff, though, with... Because you see the same kind of Cain and Abel story being played out, and this goes back to the weeds and the wheat. Once again, it's like the weeds and the wheat were, go back to Cain and Abel, and then they come back, you know, in like with, uh, you know, Jacob and Esau. Like, that's another one that's kind of a Cain and Abel type thing. You know, another manifestation of that archetype, I guess you could say. But it, it does, this plays out, you know. It's just the, the good and the evil. Like, you see it, the two sides. And, yeah, I mean, and this is what's going on now. We have a, a war between the two sides. And I feel, once again, we've mentioned this, like, it's manifesting in in our culture and society with, like, Democrat and Republican, I feel. There's like. so war going on. I mean, there's... The obvious international wars that are happening, but there's so much like spiritual warfare. Yeah, spiritual, social war. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. There's war everywhere. And that's because there's the weeds and the wheat. Like Jesus says, allow them to grow up till the time of the end, and then at the time of the harvest, you know. The weeds will be burned, and the the wheat will go into the 
the storehouse. Uh-huh. So it's like, that's really where we're at, you know? Like, I eat the same. Yeah, well, it'd be entered into the uh, New Jerusalem, you know? Yeah. Like, that's really where, whatever that may be, but it's like, once again, it's an act of faith to prescribe to an absolute truth. You'd rather, I feel like you'd rather try to prescribe or subscribe to a uh, absolute truth than not at all. Because then it's like you kind of copped out. Because why? Because that was too outdated or something for you? Or everybody has their reasons? You know? Sure. But... Well, it leaves us once again, like I believe John, the revelator in the book of Revelation says, like, patience and endurance on the part of the saints, because we're all in this sea with the the weeds and the wheat uh, and densely populated areas, overpopulation, trying to coexist together. Uh-huh. And that's really tough, obviously, and it's becoming tougher the more the divide becomes more severe and more self-righteous in its stance. You mean on those sides? Both sides. Both sides. I think both sides, yeah. I mean, it just... It just really... Because people need to take a stand. It's like, I believe this way, I believe this way. (laughs) There's no common ground. No common ground. People are very defiant in their stance, you know, and that they're taking now. And it's just like, it's, it's really, it's a division. It's a division of the weeds and the wheat. Once again, I just don't know what more to say. And it's all based on love of self rather than love of God. You know, it's really, I feel like, the catalyst for um, causing it, you know, to become so severe but it just it only makes logical sense we're trying to be a little fertilizer for the weed set <laughs> yeah yeah this is really that's a good point dude like that's really what the podcast is it's an opportunity to be fertilizer for the wheat you know and uh-huh. get the wheat spark you know growing up strong yeah. and the weeds are like minimal you know minimal weeds uh. And just dominate, but see, fortunately, like the the other side, like they are the the weeds, so they are the dark side. They represent the dark side along with the goats. Yes, no about the weeds. Yeah, but they're there, and they're they're willing to see. They're willing to go to like uh, unfair levels to accomplish what they want what they want to establish and see when they came against Donald Trump they really revealed weakness in their in their character I feel like when he was president because they act they acted very uh very um childish in how they dealt with not being able to prom- continue to keep promoting their agenda it, it revealed like a childish this really weak kind of uh, demeanor and mentality, I feel like, which is an expo- exposure of uh, their character. And 
people like that are are vulnerable to attack from people who are more intelligent. I feel like so they need to watch out. Uh huh. Be careful. Yeah, because uh, righteous uh, people who uh, are trying to exalt themselves who aren't righteous. Like, it says that, uh, you know, people who have pride comes before a fall. Those who are proud will suffer a fall. Mm. And that's why God promotes this kind of ideas. Man... I was just thinking of all the men I've known that are just prideful fuck. It is, dude. It's a, well, it's a byproduct of our culture and society in America. I mean, their heads are huge. I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know more to say. Like, we're trying to... We're trying to ultimately come out of that. That's like all exude is pride. Once again, it's like people are lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and they don't want any. Ab- they don't want to believe in any absolute truth. They want to all have their own truths. They want to be morally relative, where they're. Only accepting uh, the what they sad, what they want to believe is you, there's no right or wrong. The sad part is most are ignorant to the fucking situation, anyways. Well, they don't care. I, I feel like these people don't care. Well, they ignorant in terms of caring. Right, exactly. When. It's a byproduct of not caring is ignorance. Because if you cared, you'd op- you'd be more open-minded, yeah. seeing a different perspective or whatever, or seeing something wrong or flawed. But uh, that's what we're trying to promote. People are going to be lovers of self rather than lovers of God. Narrow is the gate that leads to salvation. Broad is the path that leads to destruction. It says everybody's forced to take the mark of the beast in the end of time. It's just like, what is the mark of the beast? It's all the fruits of rottenness that are anti-God, anti-the commandments. Uh, uh, I would even go so far as to say that people's God is themselves these days. Like, like, thou shalt have no other gods? I believe that's the first commandment. Uh-huh. <laughs> then thou shalt know idols. Like it's like the people are their own gods. They have their own absolute truth. <laughs> They're moral relativists. Uh they have idols of materialistic things that like prompt their their egos, their their god status, <laughs> promote them through social media and, and and this, you know, the such like that, the like, you know, it's just that 
That's really what we're dealing with here. Talking about the meaningless of sports. Riley's very passionate about it just sports. I hate how it takes away from family interactions and family time. It's just such a distraction. But what about people families who watch games together? I'm sure there's families who watch watch a game together or something. Yeah, they're probably not all like mine or my dad is just obsessed with football and I'm just um just nipping at the heels trying to make him Think about something other than football. Well, yeah, I mean, we're talking about this because the NFL playoffs have started. <laughs> and we're trying to promote, like, the idea that sports really have no meaning to our culture and society, but they're so over-glorified and glamorized that it they take something that really has no meaning and catapult it into... Relativity. It's once again. It's like this idea that we talked about last time. What is morally relative and relevant? You know, in our uh. sports, obviously are, but they aren't because when you really break them down, nobody really benefits from a team winning a game. No. <laughs> what is gained for mankind by this over embellished nothingness? This fluff. It's like in Seinfeld where Jerry's girlfriend that he's seen goes to see his act and she dumps him because she says, well, it's just a bunch of fluff to me. (laughs) But it's like, that's what sports are. They're just, they're really a form of fluff. (laughs) They really have no meaning. I mean, ultimately, like, there's just, there's nothing to be gained by a Super even a Super Bowl win. Like, what does a Super Bowl win really accomplish for the collective all, as we call them? <laughs> what does a Super Bowl win for one team every single year mean for everybody else? That like, we got to watch a bunch of stupid ads? Like, uh-huh. That people created. And how you pay, man. You don't... You don't go and pay for a ticket, but you pay by watching ads. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? So, so uh, we're supposed to peel this off. Sorry, we had a little brain fart here on the set. I was just looking at this beer. And it says at the very uh, far corner of the bottom, it has this little thing. So I was like, what does that say? It says, peel here to recycle. So like, we're supposed to peel this off? These stickers often recycle these bottles. I didn't even know that. 
I think people are recycling stuff that are not uh, appropriate to be recycled yet. I think people need to do certain things to recycle. They're not recyclable. Well, they're recyclable, but people need to do something to them to make them recyclable. It's like pull off a wrapper or pull off a cap or, you know, it's just, there's just something that needs to be done. People are throwing, and then the recyclable people, like, they have to either, like, deal with this or you know who works at the recycling, recycling play in town? Huh? You know who works at the recycling plant uh, uh, no, in town? Who's that? Bobby Hepper. No way. Yeah. He's in the recycling thing? How do you know that? I, I talked to him a few months back. And he told you he's out at the recycling place? Yeah. So waste to energy? And it waste waste to energy place, I think it's called. Waste management. Maybe. Yeah, waste management place. Yeah. Uh, well, good for him. It's probably a good job. <laughs> At least he's not in jail, like like he was crash when he your wrecked people's, your truck. Crash your people's cars. For those of you who don't know, Bobby Hepper is a drunk driver who was driving Riley's drunk ass home and ended up speeding and running into an old people's home, be- home and bedroom where they were like in their bed uh-huh. <laughs> at like 60 miles an hour. Some crazy stories there, man. I think we hit the house at 67. 67. They were like in their bed and the wife had to go to jail or go to jail. She had to go to the hospital. His wife had to go to jail. Yeah, right. (laughs) And like she got hit by a 67 mile an hour car and she had to go to jail. Oh, I got 67 years old. Yeah. Or even older. 76. That was a weird time. And I hate that I went through that, but I'm also feel better about it now. It's been so long. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I think it's good to bring these kind of things to light. Kind of interesting little stories for the people about about us and <laughs> trying to be transparent with the people, trying to bring the word, preach the word here. Judeo-Christian anarchists. That's what we're professing to be here. We're a new breed of radical Christian extremists. <laughs> <laughs> I, I lived in the house. What else? What? <laughs> you lived in that house? <laughs> the radical extreme Christian house? No, no. I forgot. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I lived in that house. <laughs> Seems they need to drink some more. I probably don't need to, but 
gonna want to. Well then do, do. Dude. We also wanted to bring to light a very serious matter about the promotion of the RuPaul Drag Race. <laughs> We're declaring this as repulsive. <laughs> repulsive to man. So according to Mosaic Law, like, man is not supposed to dress in women's clothes under any circumstance. Yeah. Some people would say, ah, we don't need to live by the Mosaic Law. But I think there's good stuff that is brought to light in the Mosaic Law. That is actually kind of relevant. To our health, to living in as righteous people. Yeah. Not self-righteous. Yeah. Not a lover of self. But yeah. righteous under the moral correctness not the moral relativeness or relativeness but the moral correctness of the commandments the moral godly construct right the more, that's a good I like that construct word that's a good word to use to describe it and that is the commandments because that's what it says it says that the the commandments are the code because the chosen people of God in the end of time are going to be those who are keeping the commandments and holding to the testimony of Jesus. Yeah. And then it it goes on to, to mention more you know, about these these people that you know, they keep the commandments of God they hold the testimony of Jesus. You know, these are essentially the the wheat as well that Jesus talks about. Uh-huh. And maybe even that that first resurrection. The dead in Christ who rise at the end of time. The Daniels, the great, the great men of God that rise in the new bodies, you know, and who are those who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus and are enduring, patiently enduring through. I just don't think that every person, if they follow those. To follow those instructions. The commandments. Holding to the testimony of Jesus and keeping the commandments of God. I just don't know that just it makes it so you're in. So if you do these things, you're in. I think that God takes you on a very personal level. Yeah. Not 
just we're talking about here i think more or less yeah i think that god chooses whoever he wants yeah whether you're a practitioner a, a you know someone who's pure in, in the eyes of god or whatever you know it is it, god you, know, you don't do anything wrong you keep the commandments perfectly you know whatever it, it's god chooses who he wants yeah. And that's who the chosen people are, you know, essentially, if this is even a, a truth, if this is a, an absolute truth, that there is, that this word that we read in a, in a Bible is correct. You know, we're, we have faith to believe, once again, that it is. We're, at, we're stepping out in faith and believing that there is, this is inspired You know, we're, we're believing, you know, that there is this group of people. You know, and this is what it says that they're doing. You know, I don't know what more to say. This is like, this is the fruits of what they're practitioners of. Yeah. And so, I mean, everything is a paradox. So, we really don't understand what God's criteria is, you know? It's, In the process of all this. I don't even think it's any of our business. Oh, it's not any of our business. That's right. God, or the, you know, the intelligent designer of things is going to do exactly what it wants. We've been given our commandments. Well, really, the commandments is what I'm trying to say is, I guess... One of them was keep up on God what he's trying to do. Well, I, I think I'm just trying to promote these commandments in the sense that we're looking for a moral correctness or code because people are saying there isn't everything's moral, morally relevant. Or more relativity of things, you know. It's just like basically the culture defines what's right and wrong, not God or some outdated religion or whatever. Yeah, but we're trying to say no. The commandments of God are a code. They are like what's the correct way of trying to conduct yourself in a civilized manner. As someone who's worthy of of existing, you might say, go to the extreme of that. Wow. You know what I mean? It's like, if you don't live in, in accordance to this code, then what are you? Are you a heathen piece of garbage? You know, who just doesn't want to have any, any laws or any sort of... I mean, even as Judeo-Christian anarchists, we're trying to actually promote some kind of order. Within the chaos. You're demon-possessed individual. Uh-huh. Very well could be. If you're not a practitioner of the Judeo-Christian code of ethics. In the last episode we talked about, or uh, the last episode, that time that we met, 
talked about Rudolf Steiner, and he mentioned this, that the right way of conduct and uh, moving forward in the path of spirituality was to follow in kind of the way of Christianity, more or less. Ugh. You know, and I think that was like the commandments. I was like, yeah. It's like, that's that's right. That's makes sense. Like, when you look at the commandments, it, it makes sense. You know, and then you when you break down the commandments, you see that it really boils down to uh, the first four are to God, the intelligent designer, and then the other six are about, like, loving your neighbor as yourself, like Jesus says. And so this, once again, is the civilized, moral, correct code of conduct that we're trying to promote on our podcast, you know, and that there is, there is an absolute truth. It's just that it takes faith to believe that an absolute truth exists. So if you're not willing to step out in faith, then you can never know what absolute truth is. Right? Yeah, yeah, how are you supposed to know if you never give anything a chance? Right, and these people are like, they don't want to give anything a chance because they are not willing to accept anything along those lines. That's why they have their, they've created their own. It's kind of like a psychological insecurity where it's just like, you gotta like, I don't, I can't, don't want to go there, so I'm going to create my own. Is this a byproduct of a self-righteous, egotistical, lopsided consciousness of an individual? Maybe so. That's kind of a, a Jungian psychological analysis of things, but... And we're also all trying to be sane here. We're all trying to help people. We're trying to lead people into the right direction. Maybe some things that we talk about might kind of be hard for people to accept. Maybe they see in themselves. Maybe, I don't know, might challenge you a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need more challenges. It says that the 144,000, the people who are trying to keep a moral, certain moral code, correctness, follow an absolute truth, says that they have to be patiently enduring this chaos of the sea, of rapid people going, you know, to and fro over the breadth of the earth. That's what we do. We patiently endure. We patiently endure dealing with the weeds and the wheat, trying to coexist together and try to evolve our own spirituality, our own connection to God, our own soul and spirit. Because really, if people were a certain way, most of the people would be weeds. Not weeds. Yeah, but the beast is promoting the mark of the beast on the people, and therefore, everybody's being affected, so the majority of people are following into the no absolute truth no God uh, you know 
what else? What else have we got here? You know, to describe these people. Uh, no moral relativity. Like everything's morally I relative. I think there's a crazy misconception that if you're a Christian, you have to do certain stuff. You have to be disciplined and do certain stuff. You don't really want to do. No, you don't. It's hard because that—that's why it's like picking up your cross daily and burying it. Yeah, it's yeah what? because it's so much easier to go to the other route. But hey, listen. What I'm saying is, people look at this stuff and think, "Oh, I don't want to do that or whatever," but they don't try it and they don't know that. Christianity is the greatest thing in my life. Yep, and in a lot of other people's too, for sure. Indeed, many of us. Yeah. Yeah, and once again, that's people's free will. God gives people free will, though, to, like, not experience that and to reject it and say there is no absolute truth. Everything is morally relative. We don't need the commandments and a, and a moral correct, morally correct code of conduct. That's what they're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because their itching ears want to hear the the fact that like you don't have to be bowed down to a god, an intelligent designer. We are our own gods. We have idols. We are adulterers and adulteresses. We are murderers. We take the Lord's name in vain. Just like that girl when we were the she's like, gee damn, it's cold outside. Uh-huh. I was like, man, that is a girl that is probably evil. If she's taking the Lord's name in vain like that, it's just I would think that like she's probably potentially like sinful. I don't think she's a church goer. I don't think she loves Jesus with all her heart and you know, loves the Lord. Uh, you know, loves God with all her heart and mind. And so I just don't think she'd be making a comment like that. Uh, yeah. I just, really, I just really don't. You know, it's like once again, this is a just a quick little example of people who are you know, just probably not not gonna make the cut. Talking about all this situation here with Donald Trump. What is this really all about? Is this really an attack against one man? Or is it an attack against a certain way of life, a certain stance, an approach to things? Oh, I take it personal. Why is that? Because I feel like they're attacking on Donald Trump, but on all Republicans alike. Right, and that's what I'm trying to bring to light here, is that it's really, it's not, Donald Trump is just a figure that represents something that he may or may not necessarily fully agree with or even care about. (laughs) But yet is kind of the scapegoat media icon that embodies the, like you said, the Republican Party in a way, 
as a whole. And it's really, in my opinion, personally, it's an opportunity to undermine everything that the Republican Party stands through, through one man. Through attacking one man, it's like... Because, like, whether you, you believe this is against just one person or not, like, he represents... It kind of seems like they're attacking the head of the snake, well, so to speak. Yeah, it, it is. He, he is kind of the head of the snake because he's already succeeded in that party's, you know, as the as the president for that party, you know, that represented that party. So, yeah, he is. But, like I said, he may or may not actually identify or care about the ideals of the Republican Party itself. You know what I mean? He's just, once again, he's the scapegoat. He's the martyr. He's the person that gets to be slandered and attacked. But really, it has nothing to do with him, per se, it has to do with attacking an ideology and a perspective. Well, at the same time, they're trying to call all people racist that are white, you know, which obviously majority of people that are of the Republican Party are white. Um, and majority of people are not racist either. Right, yeah. But, but once again, it's just... it's all a part of this trying to tear down the Republican Party through uh, their head of the snake of their party, through, you know, the, the characteristics of the people that are embodied in that party. You know, it's just, it's a full onslaught of an attack of how they're just trying to undermine everything about this party because the, this party is in a sense the threat to their you know ideals succeeding you know in our world in our culture and society is it not so it's a multifaceted psyops attack on society and culture really but I mean <laughs> It's intended to attack the that one group of people and completely undermine them in every way. I feel like, and Donald Trump is just just keeps that fire burning because we have to see him every single day. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> something about him every single day is coming through the the news feed. You know what I mean? It's just a constant. He is. He is. He's a fucking. Tasmanian devil man he shows up everywhere you'd expect you'd want to see the president he shows up I'm sorry but right now represents. I'm sorry but Donald Trump looks more like the president of the United States right now in all this shenanigans and nonsense and fluff that the media is trying to promote than uh, Joe Biden himself. Yeah. Joe Biden's like, he's in a nursing home somewhere, right, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Donald Trump is new, the new president and he's just trying to clear his name before he can actually be declared the president, <laughs> which will probably be what happens in at the end of this year. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, he probably will be the president, dude. And the whole uh, Democrat party's gonna kill themselves, hopefully. Because uh, they can't the, handle another four years of the worthless anyways. They should. They might as well, right? They should, Joe. Yeah, like, just all of them. Just, just all of them. Then they just all drink the Kool Aid. And that'd be so great. They just all drink the Kool Aid because they can't handle another four years of the Trumpster. Uh-huh. Mr. Garrison in South Park calls him. Yeah, he's Mr. Garrison with Caitlyn Jenner as his running mate, his VP. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Which is like one of the funniest South Park characters ever, the Caitlyn Jenner character. Uh-huh. With the lisp and the and the the uh, lazy eye and all that. It's just uh-huh. <laughs> It's so good, dude. And I was Caitlyn Jenner, every time they get in the car to, like, take off, she has to run over somebody, just like uh, Bruce Jenner did in his transitional period. Uh, Hilarious. Oh, man. Dude, cheat now. Stunning and brave, too, as South Park would say again. Uh, Hilarious. Stunning and brave. That's the name of the episode where they uh, really bring to light the Caitlyn Jenner story. Kind of oh, expose man. it and make fun of it really good. Because uh-huh. <laughs> all the PC people got to identify, essentially. All the liberal people need to identify with Caitlyn Jenner as a, as a hero for coming out as yeah. one of the first celebrity trans people. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Uh, it was a stunning, brave, heroic move on the part of Bruce Jenner. But the fact of the matter is, is that the only thing I can say about Bruce Jenner and like other people like this is like, if you're gonna be a woman, at least try to talk like a woman instead of having like the manly voice. Uh, I know it's awesome. it's such a, it's such it's such a mind fuck when you see a guy that's like looks totally feminine and trying to be a woman and talks like a man. You know what I mean? It's like that. Yeah. Made me think of something from Saturday Night Live or something. Well, yeah, South Park does the same kind of stuff, you know. This, they make fun of the same kind of concepts, you know, and it just, it just doesn't make sense. It's kind of like a mind fuck on everybody else because it's like you're seeing somebody that's identifying with a woman, but they're still talking like a man like they did before they transitioned. Uh-huh. It's like it's kind of a mind fuck uh-huh. you know when you see that it's like what the hell uh-huh. it's like kind of what trips you out a little bit what are you I'm trying to figure that out what they uh-huh. what they are what are you yes what are you a man or a woman you look feminine but your voice sounds like a man you have the genitalia of a man which also goes back to South Park huh. whereas they talk about like Mr. Garrison, going back to Mr. Garrison once again, like, had some words of wisdom that he said, like, if you, like, can produce a baby, you are a woman. If you cannot produce a baby, you are a man. Therefore, people who want to identify as trans and who, like, want to be, think that they're like, oh, oh, like, what is it called? Like, uh, gender dysphoria or something like that? Yeah, gender dysphoria. If It's like, if... This is a, a solution to your gender dysphoria. The gender dysphoric. 
gender dysphoric, yes. <laughs> if you're a gender dysphoric and have gender dysphoria, here's the, the solution for you. It's real simple. Like Mr. Garrison says on South Park, if you can produce a baby, you're a woman. If you cannot, guess what? You're a man. Uh-huh. You're not a woman trapped inside a man's body. You're a man. You're uh-huh. maybe a confused man. Uh-huh. But there's no gender dysphoria. There's no... It's simple. And I think we just need to go back to Cell's part. Once again, the voice of reason here on this situation and issue. And it comes from a character who was who was gay. Then he then he like transitioned into a woman. Then he wanted to go back to a man. Oh boy. It's hilarious, dude. And then became Donald Trump. Uh, Freaking hilarious, dude. I don't know how they pulled that one off. That was uh, insane, dude. Yeah, he like literally like Mr. Garrison became Donald Trump uh, with Caitlyn uh, Jenner uh, as his vice president. And he is like, uh, went from uh, the teacher of South Park to like, yeah, this is like hilarious, dude. After that all is hilarious. Yeah, he had the gay lover guy, Mr. Slave, who was his, like, boyfriend, and when he was gay... Mr. Slave? Mr. Slave, and Mr. Slave was the guy who came out against, like, whores, when he said, like, remember everybody, it's like, don't you remember when, like, being a whore was supposed to be a bad thing? Remember? Like, being a whore was supposed to be a bad thing, as Mr. Slave said. So, like, all these characters are actually voices of reason. These crazy characters are actually making, like, Truthful statements, in a uh-huh. sense. Uh-huh. Kind of funny, kind of ironic, kind of perplexing. Kind of repulsive. Uh-huh. Brought the idea to light in the last one, repulsive. I am. I'm thinking about that word more, and it's just so close to repulsive. It is, but when you see it spelled out, it's funny because you automatically think because of the way you see literally the word RuPaul in it and then you see Siv, RuPaul, Siv, and you're like, hey, that's repulsive. Uh, RuPaul is repulsive and his drag race queens are repulsive. So repulsive. Because once again, Mr. Garrison from South Park sets us all straight when he says, it's like, hey, if you can't produce a baby... You're not a woman. Guys. Guys in drag. Repulsives. Uh-huh. On the drag queen show. Yeah. Power to the queens. Uh-huh. No, we don't want a, any power. That's one of their statements. It's like, it's really, it's like a, uh, they're trying to empower this idea. through it. Power to the queens. Like they have these little statements that come up. Little uh, headlines in, in their trailers and stuff as I'm trying to watch South Park. Like, power to the queens. This is like, oh, power, empower this idea. Empower the repulsive people that are, like, trying to create this gender dysphoria. This is all promoting gender dysphoria. 
It's going to cut... People see power to the queens, promotion of drag queens. They're only going to want to be like drag queens. I don't know why people can't see that as an illness. It really is. Yeah, because ultimately that's exactly what we're... It's gender dysphoria. That's a fucking illness. An illness. It's an illness. And People don't even take it that way. No. They, they want to empower it. Power to this idea. Empower this. Or thing. they feel bad or something. Yeah, they want, to, they want to sympathize, right. But it's like, no, we just need to correct it. We just need to correct the issue. And like Mr. Garrison, once again, <laughs> just sets everybody straight. Like, hey, everybody... You want to solve the issues of transgender and gender dysphoria? Hey, guys, can you have a baby? Uh-huh. No. Therefore, you're not a woman. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. As much as you'd like to be a woman, yeah. it seems like fun and exciting. Yeah. It's, just, it's not a real thing. It just like women. Yeah. It can't happen. It can't happen. Just like women who want to be men. Like, I know you, like, think it'd be cool to just ride a really hot chick with a dildo or, like, with a cock, like uh-huh. a man does, but it's just, you're a chick. Uh-huh. The dildo strap-on isn't going to, like, it's not, it's like, once again, it's the same kind of concept, you know? It's the same kind of idea as the guy, like, dressing like a woman and wanting to be like a woman. It's the same thing as, like, the chick who wants to, like, look like a dude, let her hair, uh-huh. hairy legs grow out and, like, strap on a dildo. Are they doing it Sex changes, sex changes for woman to man. I'm sure they're doing sex changes for both. Yes, of course. What are they implanting for a penis? Well, that's exactly well. <laughs> in the episode where uh, Mr. Garrison uh, is trying to get a new <laughs> penis because he's trying to transition back to a man in <laughs> South Park, and makes a statement that I just mentioned. <laughs> They put it on a rat. <laughs> they curl the cock on a rat in a lab. Uh-huh. Yeah. In a South Park bio lab or something like that, you know, where they're doing all kinds of experiments with... Yeah, where they grew a... They, Mr. Garrison sees that they grew an ear on a, on a lab rat. <laughs> and so he had a wild notion to uh, go to the... The lab and see if they could grow him a penis on a rat, uh-huh. <laughs> and they did, and then it got away. Uh-huh. <laughs> they had to chase it down. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fucking hilarious, dude! So genius, uh-huh. so creative, genius, but yet so profound in the statement that it makes when at the very end when Mister Garrison says, "Like, hey, like if you can't have," because he comes to this conclusion because he was gay, then he like tried to become a woman, and then he became a man. And when he went back to a man, he, like, came to the conclusion that, like, hey, if you can't make babies, you're not a woman. Uh-huh. Sets it straight. Like, case closed. Like, there's no gen- more gender dysphoria or transgender tendencies. It's, like, it's cut and dry black and white. Thanks to Mr. Garrison. <laughs> oh, guys are awesome. I love how they clear stuff up. Let's clear the air, set shit straight, whatever you want to call it, yeah. It's like, that's what we're trying to promote. We're just trying to promote the absolute truth here. People don't want to accept an absolute truth. We need to, like, define what the absolute truth is somehow, some way, because at the end of the day, if we can't identify what the truth is, it's going to create chaos. 
going to create more disharmony. It's going to create more people like out of line because they're not following the truth because they're trying to follow their own truth. And that's going to cause... It's once again that concept of the sea. The masses of people are like the sea, just like, you know, it's chaotic, you know, just trying to find their way and just like it's just you know a bunch of waves crashing and colliding and all over the place nothing but water just like uh-huh. chaos you know creating chaos you know so it's like what do you do you know we just like all that we can do is try to like be a voice of reason uh-huh. on a podcast uh-huh. that's unpopular uh-huh. it's an unpopular truth right uh, what, yes. what we have to say is an unpopular truth. A lot of people don't want to accept. 